Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Please subscribe, download, listen, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. That would be very much appreciated. Now, today we have a very special episode where I am joined by Dave Ripper. He is the lead pastor at Crossway Christian Church in Nashua, New Hampshire, and he is also the team chaplain for the Boston Bruins. And uh, just this past Sunday, April 19th, he posted a video sermon conversation where he discussed uh, some issues about faith, sports, life with uh, Chris Wagner, David Backus, Brandon Carlo, Adam McQuaid, Tori Krug. Uh, you can find that on YouTube at Crossway Christian Church's uh, YouTube channel. And uh, so I'm very pleased to be able to have this conversation with with Dave. Uh, some of you may know I have a background in theology uh, on top of my great love for hockey. Uh, so this was a real great opportunity for me to uh, kind of uh, intersect a lot of uh, things that really interest me. And I really appreciate Dave taking the time to uh, have this conversation. So please check out that video on YouTube. And uh, I hope you do enjoy this conversation. I'm joined now by uh, Dave Ripper, who is a team chaplain for the Boston Bruins. And um, I became aware of Dave's work with the team after Brandon Carlo opened up uh, on a Zoom call recently that uh, some of these guys are doing these media tours during this pause. And uh, I really wanted to connect with Dave. So I very much appreciate uh, you taking the time to chat today, Dave. how's, uh, How's your Thursday going so far? Hey, Ian, really great to be here, and uh, Thursday's going well so far. I'm actually uh, calling in from Nashua, New Hampshire, where now I pastor at Crossway Christian Church. I'm the lead pastor there. We have a couple oh, of, uh, few spots in southern New Hampshire, but I was at uh, Grace Chapel for around eight years, which is kind of how I did get connected to the Bruins, uh, where Adam McQuaid and I were worshiping together for uh, a couple of years. So it's great to be here, and thanks for having me. No problem. I actually... Um... I worked at a summer camp on Sebago Lake in in Maine for for four summers back in the day, and I uh, oh, beautiful spent, spot. Yeah, I spent some some off days up in in Nashua, so it's a, that's a very nice area for sure. I really love I really love all New England for sure, but uh, and I miss miss my time there. But uh, yeah, Nashua is a really nice spot. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, we enjoy it. To start off, I just wanted to know if if you were a hockey fan growing up, and if so, how how you got into the game, or is this something that came about as a result of getting tied in with the Bruins? Yeah, great question. So I grew up in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, and I got to early on in life, I think I was like maybe around first, second grade when the Penguins won a couple back-to-back Stanley Cups, and so there was a lot of hockey fever during that time, but by and large, of the four major sports, for most of my friends, hockey was kind of the the last place just because so many of us didn't have access to play the game. So I've never sure. really played ice hockey and things like that. I was probably 
confessionally, and I told all those guys the same thing, basketball, football, baseball, you know, were certainly more predominant in my, uh, you know, enjoyment of, of sports, but I've really grown to love the game a whole lot more. And so I've obviously paid way more attention to hockey over the last five seasons than I probably ever did before, but I've, the game's really grown on me. And I think I'm a little remiss that I didn't have more access to it when I was younger. Cause it's really just a fun sport. Yeah. Those, those Penguins teams were, were unreal. And those, a couple of those championships came at the uh, expense of the Bruins along the way battles, which is unfortunate for Boston, but uh, yeah, Mario <laughs> and, and Yager. At least the Bruins got a taste of, of Yager a, a few years ago, which was pretty cool. That's right. And then oddly enough, uh, I, I switched my allegiance to the Bruins, you know, when I became their chaplain, and then the Penguins went on to win back-to-back Stanley oh, right. Cups again. So. <laughs> yeah. A little irony there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so tell me a bit about how you got into kind of uh, full-time ministry, um, your background, some listeners of the podcast know that I uh, have a, a background in theology myself. I went to a Bible college up here in, in Toronto and then uh, did a master's in theology over in uh, Scotland at the University of Aberdeen. So any uh, conversations great about spot. faith and sports? Yes, yeah, it was it was really great. I, I really miss it over there. Um, so yeah, any conversations about faith and sports is really right up my alley. So yeah, talk a bit about yeah, your too. background and uh, kind of where, where you went to school and how you got into full-time ministry. Yeah. Well, to try and hit some of the headlines, I guess, of it, I grew sure. up in a church that wasn't, it was probably, it was a Presbyterian church, but similar to the same kind of experiences I think a lot of people have in like the Catholic faith, where you kind of go, you're supposed to do the right sort of things, go through the whole liturgy and the routine, but I felt like it only really caused me to know about God. And, and that wasn't a personal thing for me. And, but then oddly enough, uh, when I was in seventh grade, my grandfather, who had taken care of my grandmother, who had Alzheimer's for a number of years, really, really sad, he ended Uh up having a massive stroke on the day of her funeral. And I would go to visit him in this rehab center in Pittsburgh, uh, quite often. And during that time, I had this probably really the first time I felt like I ever had like an encounter with God, where there was a man that was in the room close to, to him who never had any visitors, no cards on the bulletin board. And I almost felt like I sensed God telling me this kind of strange voice that I really tried to ignore to go talk to this man. And I uh, finally worked up the courage after about 45 minutes of putting it off to go say hi. And uh, the, the older man wasn't able to speak. It became very apparent, but his face just lit up when somebody noticed him and cared about him. And that was a very seminal moment in my life where I felt like I don't care what I do. I want to make a difference in the lives of other people more than like make money or be famous or anything like that. And so I started to really explore what might be a good vocational avenue to pursue doing that sort of thing. And then this odd idea came up of maybe you should be a pastor. That voice kind of like revisited to me. And I said, well, there's a major prerequisite you need in order to be a pastor and that's to be a Christian. And I really had no interest in that. And so, you know, in middle school, I had about 30, 36 detentions in eighth grade alone was pretty rebellious (laughs) kind of kid who loved to be the entertainer and things like that. And, but in ninth grade, you know, all that time, I really just struggled to kind of understand like, what is the purpose and meaning in life? And Uh honestly, I think there were some just depressive thoughts that clouded over me and 
had a grip on my soul in a lot of ways. And so I finally decided to start investigating Christianity for myself and kind of read the Bible for the first time really on my own, started to ask questions. I had a really great high school English teacher who was a believer, wild guy, just loved him. And he said, hey, you can stay after school and ask me any questions you have. I can't teach you, but I can answer your questions. And that really oh, wow. led me on a path to uh, coming to faith in Christ. And, and I got linked up with a great uh, youth group where I really came to faith in Jesus. There were a lot of, a lot of pretty attractive girls there, which I'll confess was the number one reason I went <laughs> to this group. And, and then probably within about six months of that, I was 15, uh, became a uh, you know, was really, really flourishing in my faith and and affirmed that call to, to be a pastor. And we got a chance to preach my first sermon at that little Presbyterian church across the street from my house back then. And so from there, it just kind of has been on that same trajectory the last 20 years. I went to Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. Um, after that, my wife and I both got married. And then we moved to Denver, uh, where we went to seminary out there, Denver Seminary. She's a, a licensed mental health therapist. And so oh, cool. I constantly get psychoanalyzed, you know, even if I'm <laughs> never asking for it. I can tell you what's making me mad, glad, sad, afraid, or ashamed at almost any <laughs> given moment. And uh, then from there, we uh, we linked up with a couple different pastors who uh, pastored actually at Grace Chapel when I was out at Denver Seminary. They were both graduates there. And that was my link to, to come to New England. And so I've been here for almost nine years and then spent the last year as the lead pastor of a Crossway Christian Church here in the Nashville and then Amherst, or sorry, Milford, New Hampshire uh, towns. So that's the big arc and long Very story, cool. tried to make it as short as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how, how then did you get uh, connected with, with the Bruins as, as team chaplain? Yeah, so I was pastoring at Grace Chapel and uh, I was the campus pastor there, did a lot of young adult ministry and uh, met Adam there. And it's kind of a funny encounter. He came up to me and I didn't recognize who he was at the time. You know, <laughs> he had trimmed the mullet back and just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Adam. And, you know, really just appreciate your, your ministry. And I think he was injured. It was like a wrist injury at the time. And, and I okay. really wasn't connecting the dots of who he was. And I said, you look like the kind of guy that maybe did something pretty wild to injure yourself. What did you do? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, you know, he, he really played it off. Oh, I was just, you know, playing hockey and really made it sound like it was a pickup game. And then right after the fact, a couple of people wow. came up and were like, do you know who that is? And I was like, yeah, this guy, Adam, I've seen him around. Really nice guy. He's like, <laughs> why don't you, you know, Google Adam McQuaid and you'll find out who he is. And so he, you know, his unassuming kind of humble nature was really, uh, really quite, quite welcoming. And uh, we just had a friendship from there. And then it was uh, around this time in 2015 where he gave this really awesome interview with the Boston Globe about his faith. And from there, a group called Hockey Ministries International read the story, reached out to Adam and said, you know, we've never had a, a chapel program for the Bruins. Most other NHL teams have had that. You know, would you be interested in helping to start it? And he said yes. And then uh, I get a phone call from them wondering if I would uh, be the chaplain. And I kind of confess the fact of my some of my ignorance of the game of hockey and things like that. But <laughs> they still thought I should uh, pursue it. And so, you know fall of the beginning of the 2015-2016 season, Adam and I just started praying that somehow this this group would be able to emerge and the chapel program could get started. And then Tori Krug uh, linked up with us and then Kevin Miller and then pretty soon other players were starting to gather and we would meet at the old uh, Ice Arena practice facility there in Wilmington, Mass., uh, after practice and it started small and then gradually it's just steadily grown to have more and more guys sometimes we've had as many as 
more than half the team come out for our chapel services. And, oh, wow. Uh, and they're really like, really just like meals with guys to talk about life and some of our struggles and to anchor it in, in the way of Jesus. And we really believe that that Jesus shows us the best way to live. And, and that translates to every sphere and aspect of life, including, including playing hockey. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, that's really, really cool that Adam reached out to you and that's kind of how it started. It seems like a couple other guys have really taken up that up, especially recently. I know um, David Backus is still kind of uh, part of that, even though he's moved on. I think yeah. Danton Heinen as well. Yes, back in yeah. in Anaheim. So maybe those two will kind of keep the keep things going out in, in California. Um, yeah, we have Riley interest- Nash was part of that. Oh. Now he's here with Columbus. Okay, yeah, some other guys: yeah. Johnny Moore, Charlie McAvoy, um, you know, Bjorky. He's part of it. Uh, oh yeah, okay. You know, a few others. So there's there's been a great group and and a great group of guys that come up from Providence sometimes too, just to you know, take a, a short okay. uh, time with the Bruins, like a, like a Zane McIntyre and, and guys like him. Very cool. There's a couple yeah. of things that really interest me about this in particular, the fact that um, on one hand, hockey culture in general um, doesn't have the greatest reputation in terms of, you know, just um, the, not just the rough and tumble on the ice, but also off the ice as well. There's a lot of, um, uh, how, how best to say this, you know, a lot of problematic issues within hockey culture that, sure. that people point to. On the other hand, there's a lot of negative connotations these days when it comes to uh, Christianity in general and kind of, um, you know, how it, it's a lot tied to conversations about um, what's not allowed or yeah. things that people are against or the political climate and things like that. So it yeah, really interests me yeah. the kind of intersection between hockey culture and faith and how that is uh, kind of being brought together in a group like this. So I don't know. I'm curious to, to hear if you can talk a bit about how, kind of those two are are reconciled in these conversations that you guys have and kind of what is um, the outlook on both of those things and how they come together. That's a great question there, Ian. And I think you're drawing well from your uh, theology background. So maybe just (laughs) to first address some of the negativity that surrounds the storyline of how people perceive Christianity and I love John 14, 6, the book in the New Testament, a little saying of Jesus where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think for too long, we have, a lot of Christian leaders thought, if we can just get people to not only know the Jesus truth and try and basically not do bad things and kind of control their external behavior and their patterns, that the Jesus truth itself will lead to the Jesus life. But I think a lot of people have grown up kind of under the shadow of like the whole, you know, evangelical right wing political landscape have just seen that that doesn't prove true. And there's a lot of things that are said in Jesus name that are not done in the way of manner of Jesus. A lot of truth being spoken without a whole lot of love. And and so I'm really convinced that it's the Jesus truth. We don't ever want to compromise on those teachings, which we believe really does lead to life. But it's the Jesus truth plus the Jesus way 
the manner, mm-hmm. the overall and arching lifestyle that he chose that we can choose for ourselves too. It's the truth plus the way that leads to the life. And so I think a whole lot of what Christianity is trying to recapture and, you know, leaders that are, you know, around my age in the mid thirties and, and even older are really trying to rediscover that way of Jesus and to try and teach that. And so I think as we look at like the radical individualistic nature of life and kind of this Western secular society where we just think that it's all about me. And if I do what pleases me and do what feels good, and I just kind of let my feelings drive me and uh, steer the course of my life, then I'm going to experience this good life, this full life. And for a while, that really works for people. But it's until that the kind of the aura of that, just, you know, the elixir wears off and tough things happen in life that we realize that philosophy just doesn't deliver what it promises. And so I've seen some of the guys that have come out the chapel who, you know, you're young, you're, you know, your early twenties, you've got all this money, all this fame. And so, yeah, the yeah. party lifestyle, all those kind of things that are associated with it are just seems so attractive and, and tempting and alluring. And you just go for it and you do that enough times. And then it's kind of like you start to wake up and you realize this is not making my life fuller. It's only making my life emptier and emptier. And so I think people start wondering, there's got to be a better way in which to live. And I think that moment of like, what's the best way and to live in the Jesus way where that converges, I think is where we've maybe seen the meeting of the unlikely worlds of hockey and, and and Christianity, because I think people are looking for a better way to live. And, you know, when some of these guys too, it's like, if you've devoted all of your attention to one thing, there's so many other looming questions about how to live and how to have healthy relationships and just questions about meaning and the purpose of life that have kind of largely gone unexplored and unexamined because there's just not been any time when your mindset has been so you know singly focused on one thing, which which is necessary to become a, an elite athlete like mm-hmm. the caliber that these guys are at. And so we really try and say that Jesus is the best teacher and the most brilliant person that you could ever encounter. Try on his way, his teachings. And I believe as we try out the way and the teachings of Jesus, we'll start to experience that life. And then the truth of who he is will come into focus a whole lot more. So I don't really push guys to say, hey, you need to make Jesus your savior and your Lord right away. But try on making Jesus your teacher, somebody who would show you how to live, how to have patience and gentleness and a sense of depth and meaning and sacrifice and how you relate to others and living generously and not just in a stingy kind of self-centered way. And I believe you'll start to find that life gets richer and fuller and better. And I think that's why we've seen ultimately our chapel grow is because when we've centered our life and our ways of living on the teachings of Jesus, it's brought solidarity and friendship and community that we wouldn't have had probably had our lives just been all revolving around ourselves, which is that real temptation for any professional sport or any person with a lot of money and living in the limelight. Yeah, I really, I really like that. And uh, I know some people may not realize that, you know, when this movement that Jesus started first, uh, was taking off it was simply known as the way not christianity or or anything like that but this the simple title was was the way and i think a lot would be rediscovered if if 
we kind of just stuck to that language. And I, I really appreciate that that is kind of the approach that, well, that you guys are taking for sure. Yeah. I'm wondering, you're talking about how, um, how, you know, the game itself and, and all the work that these guys put into being at the top of their game is uh, so prevalent in their lives for obvious reasons. And now in the current kind of health crisis that we're in and, and, and the guys aren't able to uh, play, even skate, uh, even really see each other, kind of how uh, have you been helping them cope through this uh, season pause and, and kind of the uncertainty that that they're facing and, and that yeah. we're all facing? Hmm. Yeah, probably one of the first things, and this has been just a, uh, a theme of our chapel times, kind of a thread that's been woven through the years that we've been together that just is really resurfacing now. And it's focusing in on this one really great Greek, Greek word, you know, for time of kairos, uh, which is mm. like there's a pregnancy time to it. And so one of the things I've really challenged uh, them to think through is not to be asking ourselves the question, what time is it, but what is this time for? And this time now is for something unique. Of course, there are some real frustrations through the disruption of what we've experienced. I mean, you're, you know, leading the league in points and now the whole season just kind of gets pulled out from underneath you. But what are some of the unique opportunities that we can avail ourselves of in this moment? And, you know, from investing in relationships that we haven't been able to uh, spend as much time, to, you know, in devotion to, and especially our relationship with God. So I think We've really seen this to be a time where we've upped the frequency of which we're meeting. We meet over Zoom, and uh, and it's it's great. We're, we finish out the Gospel of Mark as we were going through uh, Lent and Holy Week and Easter and Jesus' resurrection, and now we're jumping into the real practical book of the Book of James. So spending more time and just devotion to God and His Word, taking some real time to just take an introspective look at like how are we living? You know, how how are my how's my thought life? How are my habits? Where am I tempted? You know, when I look at the way of Jesus in my own life, where is there incongruence? So, and I think we're just really trying to rally together as well, because we just need each other. I mean, this time is hard and uh, we're isolated and, and we feel alone. And, and so those have been some big themes, but probably the most prevalent one I would say has just been in navigating just the awful loss of uh, Colby Cave's life. Uh, mm. just yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask you about that, that next. Is. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, I think as this was brought to our attention, I mean, we just started a real regular you know, thread of prayer through text messaging of lifting up our requests and taking different times of the day to, to be praying for, for him and, and his, and his wife and his overall family. And we were really hoping and praying for a miracle. And, and sadly, uh -huh. you know, that, that didn't end up that way. We know Colby was a believer. And so we trust that you know, he's at home with the Lord and he's not suffering anymore in these ways, but it's devastating. And so we've looked a lot at like, how do we lament? And we've looked at mm. Psalms that just cry out some of the questions and complaints that we have to God. And we've really walked through the overarching, you know, the stages of grief from denial to anger, to bargaining, to depression, to acceptance, and then even to what uh, this one man named David Kessler will contend uh, is that there's meaning. There's really a sixth stage of that. But we certainly aren't trying to rush through that whatsoever. But I think a lot of us in the Christian faith just don't ever feel the permission that we we need, as the Psalms especially instruct us to to express what we're actually feeling to God. And so, you know, one of our times we just talked about our anger. We talked about our disappointment. Uh -huh. We talked about our frustrations. And then yet 
we still took hope that as uh, there's a passage in the New Testament, Romans uh, 8.18 says, you know, these present momentary troubles are nothing worth comparing to the glory that's about to be revealed to us. And we do take hope in, and take heart in the fact that death is not the end of the story for any of us. It's only the beginning. And if Jesus rose from the grave, then we can trust that he's going to give us a resurrection body for everybody who believes in him. And that is as long as this life sometimes feels, it's nothing in comparison to eternity. It's just like a you know, dropping a bucket here. There's so much more and we can't let some of the pain of this time to ultimately have dominion over the overarching narrative of our worldview and our viewpoint. We have to look beyond this life. And even Brandon Carlos tattoo, we live by faith and not by sight as he has on his forearm. Yeah. This has been a really powerful line that I think we've clung to. And I've just told Brandon multiple times, hey, show us your arm again, man. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he puts that big six five forearm, you know, right there uh, on the screen. And we, we choose to live by faith and not by sight. Because by sight, it tells us life is meaningless. It ends in death prematurely. And, there's, and this is all that there is. But by faith tells us there is more. And so that's a lot of what we've been kind of centering our time and discussions on and using what this time is for ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. The fact that I know, I mean, even a lot of uh, uh, Bruins fans uh, all over the hockey world, people were very affected by, by Colby's passing. And, and I can't imagine yeah. what it was like for, for in Boston and in Providence. And yeah. the fact that, uh, often Christians will kind of respond with kind of the easy uh, platitudes of, you know, there's a reason for this or we'll see yeah. him again. But just to be able to rest in that that anger and that frustration and the inexplicability of it, um, yeah. I think is, is really valuable. And, and it's cool to hear that that there was time given for that for sure. Cause I'm, I, I just can't imagine the, the emotions that were felt just because of the seeming, yeah, random nature and just, uh, yeah, premature loss of, of such a great guy. It's, it's, it's just, uh, there are few words and to be yeah. able to rest in that silence and that anger is, is very valuable. So that that's really cool to hear. It's an awakening moment, though, too, because I think we live such cushy, insulated lives from many of the problems that people all over the world experience. And so when something mm -hmm. like this comes, it just really kind of upsets the apple cart of our our cushy lives where we just think we're in control. And there's a great line that even I've heard talked about in relation to the overarching pandemic is that, you know, this whole situation is not causing us to lose control it is causing us to lose our illusions of the fact that we were never mm. in control in the first place and Great. it points to the fact that when I mean, our lives are short they're like a mist they're like a vapor and we just can't take things for granted and so making sure that our lives are well oriented around what matters most that we have thought through some of the ultimate questions of life. Like, is there more to this life? Who is God? Who is Jesus? And then if he's, if he's real, if he really rose from the gra grave, then what difference does that make for my life now? Because life's short. And so we need to number our days that we might uh, live wisely as Psalm 90 uh, tells us. Very cool. Just uh, to begin to wrap up here, I wanted to ask kind of if there are any highlights uh, from your time with the Bruins, either on the ice, like being able to watch watch the guys excel on the ice or, or 
anything off the ice as well. Any any moments that stand out from uh, this past season or from your time just going back to, to 2015, 2016 that, uh, that really stand out as memorable from, from your time with the Bruins? Yeah, that's great. You know, I think, I think probably the number one thing that just stands out to me is, is just our friendship. You know, I think that God has really just birthed like an unlikely community of people. And, you know, even when I made a transition from my previous church to, to this, this new one, it was, it was a hard time. And even David Backus was somebody who really walked alongside me uh, mm. to just cheer me on during that time as if I was really shifting a lot of like the kind of the gravitational pull of my relationships. Uh, the, that was all kind of the nucleus of that was shifting. And, and so the friendship piece, and we, we laugh a lot. We have had some great meals. Um, I think I've just learned a lot of a lot of lessons, uh, you know, one of the ones, uh, last past Sunday, as you know, I recorded a, a sermon with five of the guys at my church. Uh-huh. It was a Zoom conversation. And one of the ones that just really stood out to me was this powerful moment where we were talking about how ultimately we can't base our lives and our achievements, because if we just achieve one thing, it's just going, it's not going to like give us this uh, forever sense of satisfaction that's never going to you know fade away it's going to then turn into the next thing and then once we get right. that next thing it's going to leave us with something more and i just love this moment where you know david backus who's my age looked down to some of the other guys and just said you know uh, you guys need to be content where you are right now because you're probably not going to be content when you get that next goal that you're seeking to achieve you know maybe it's playing getting a contract or playing 100 games or making an all-star appearance or whatever and one thing just leads to the next it leads to the next it leads to the next and it was just a very eye-opening kind of inspiring uh testimony that he gave that man you need to learn to be content and 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 at rest where you are now doesn't mean you keep striving you know you stop striving for other goals but you don't look to those goals to be what's going to give you your sense of identity and purpose and meaning and value in life and that was one that really has really stood out to me and there's a couple other ones in that interview that are drawn out uh, from adam and brandon and others but i just love seeing seeing really the the, the positive transformation in these guys' lives. And uh-huh. and I would just say, lastly, too, I've really appreciated just how much they've embraced somebody who, you know, would never, if you just look at me, I do not come across at all as being somebody who would be uh, mistaken as a professional athlete. <laughs> you know, I'm just not a big guy. And, and these guys have just warmly embraced me and really made me feel like I'm one of them. And, and that's been a, that's just been, I mean, we all long for that kind of acceptance. So that's just been a real kind of surprising gift that I've experienced, you know, from being with in the last five seasons. Yeah. That's really uh, just being as a fan of the team to hear David Backus uh, speaking like that. Like I've often thought over the past year about, about him specifically and, you know, getting, uh, so close to winning the cup last year to be scratched for game seven, uh, to be kind of maligned a bit by the fan base for his contract and then and then traded to kind of alleviate the salary cap of that. I've often thought about, you know, how he's just doing through that and and what he's thinking. Yeah. And to hear that that perspective is is being taken even through all that is is really quite really, really quite a is a great encouragement to me. And I, I'm sure that will be to others as well, just to hear that kind of perspective through all that. 
and just to know that it's not about cups or contracts or you know awards but to just have that um yeah the community that's built through it along the way and 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 family and, and faith and all that is is really is just yeah, so he's important built his especially life in this on something yeah built his life on on something that cannot be changed by circumstance and that's ultimately mm-hmm. his relationship with god and that no matter how successful he is or what disappointments he has to go through like that keeps him to have a real unshakable faith and, and he really is an amazing person i've told him oftentimes that had you know god ever given me the physicality and the ability to have become a professional athlete i hope that i would have approached the game and my teammates the way that he has because he oh, is that that much of a class act and his the impact he's made on those players especially the younger guys calling them uh to to live to a higher level to play at a higher level has been really remarkable to to see so his influence on the team even while he's not on it even while i mean he had to brutally sit there as the healthy scratch yeah. during game 7 you know with the against his old team i mean despite some of those things he has he has made an indelible impact on the players that i think will last for you know much longer than and even he's probably going to be in the league so i think it's uh it's a great testimony to his selflessness and and that's what leadership is really all about it's about sacrifice and it's about bettering others around you and david is a phenomenal leader for that reason yeah that's very cool uh just to uh one final question i'd like to ask yeah. people kind of how how they're staying busy during this time do you have any kind of book recommendations or show recommendations <laughs> that you can pass along that are, that are helping you uh, through this time? That's a great uh, question. You know, I, I will confess, I probably maybe devoted myself to, you know, some YouTube videos or things that were maybe not as worthy of my time and attention as you kind of get <laughs> stir crazy. And yeah. uh, I was watching some old Brady Gronk videos, you know, just in the light of that whole, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, you know, emergence of him becoming a buccaneer, which is just wild. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I think it's a great time to turn to the scriptures. I'm reading, you know, the book of James with the guys, and that might be a great starting point for people. Um, I am, I do love literature, and so I have been toying around with the possibility of diving into the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky, the Russian novelist. Yeah. It's a monstrous, monstrous book. I've started it twice, got about 100 pages in, and just kind of <laughs> life life happened, and I dropped it. So I'm toying yeah, with that I, one. Uh, <laughs> I had a so. similar experience, actually. I started reading it maybe this time last year, and I got pretty far, actually, but I just uh, – it just became too – too much of a, a commitment, I guess. And it, it just wasn't, not that it wasn't grabbing me, but I, it was just a bit of a slog and, and I did put it down, but yeah, it's probably a good time to maybe try to pick it up and finish it off for sure right now. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, I very much appreciate you, you taking some time to chat and it's, it's really great to connect and, and I hope we can do so again in the future. Um, if people want to find out more kind of about, about your ministry or, or work that you've done, where can people find, uh, keep up to date with, with all things Dave Ripper? Yeah. Thanks Ian. Well, it's, it was an honor to be on the podcast. I love what you're doing and I uh, look forward to listening to some more episodes in the future. You know, you can, if you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at, uh, Dave Ripper, our church is crosswaycc.org, Crossway Christian Church, hub to Nashua. And that's where you can find uh, the interview too with the guys, uh, which you mm-hmm. might enjoy. Yeah, I'll, I'll... 
I'll add that to the show notes for sure and, and post that on Twitter so people people can take a look at that. I was really like I mentioned before, I, I was watching that this morning and I was really, really grabbed by it and, and really love to hear guys open up. Uh, like I alluded to earlier, hockey culture can be pretty, you know, not open to these kinds of things. And it's really inspiring and cool to see some of our are really opening up and embracing that different side of life. So uh, yeah. I, I appreciate you opening that up and making this more of a, an open conversation and, and posting that was really, really cool. So I'll be sure to share that as well. Well, thanks so much, Ian. All the best to you. And thanks again for, uh, for having me here today. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, you as well. And uh, I'll uh, maybe reach out at some point to, and have you back on it. This was a great conversation and so much more that, that we can talk about, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, take care of yourself and uh, we'll connect again soon. All right. Anytime. Blessings.